Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Welcome to Rooted and Wavering, broadcasting live from Phoenix Business Radio X in Arizona, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. I'm your host, Hilke Farber, and I'm here today with Robert Washington, a sales leader in Microsoft, also a U.S. Navy SEAL, father of six martial artists and uh, award-winning speaker, uh, author, inventor, and many other things I'll talk to you about in a second. Robert, how are you to this morning? I'm pretty good. Thank you so much, Yoko. Excellent. Very good. And glad that you're here. Before we're going to uh, talk more about you, Robert, and about uh, hearing your story about connectedness, I want to, as we always do, start this episode with a brief reminder, you could say a recentering of why we're talking about rooted and wavering. So the intention of this series is that each of us gets more and more connected to what's true about ourselves so we can get rooted in that. We all have all these forces that pull at us all the time. You know, things happen that we like, we don't like, we have thoughts and feelings. How in those moments of challenge do we come back to what is true, what we can rest in, our values, our intrinsic being. And that's what these conversations are about. And my personal experience is that I learn a lot more from stories than from concepts. So I'm so grateful to have guests like Robert Washington in the studio with us today. This is our 22nd episode and Robert comes to us today from the state of Washington. He is as I said, a father of six, a sales leader, devoted husband, and his experience, which he will talk to you about in a moment, is quite varied. He grew up in one of the most dangerous cities in America, and despite that, always embraced a growth mindset and maintained an optimistic outlook on life. He has been distinguished and gotten awards as a motivational speaker, he draws on his own life experience to do that. He has a lot of sales acumen and he has earned recognition as one of the top sales executives at Microsoft. He, as I said, is an author, inventor, entrepreneur, consistently challenging the status quo. And he also served as a U.S. Navy veteran during the hiring times of September 11. After his military service, he went on to work his competitive spirit and determination as a professional mixed martial artist. And he has also developed a framework called Goro. That's uh, something that we're going to also explore more about. That's about how to basically work with a growth mindset. The little sentence that I read about Robert that stays with me, probably will always stay with me, is he is very clear about not being a victim to the past but be a victor of the present and an architect of the future. Robert Washington, very happy that you're here today with us at Rooted and Wavering. So tell us a little bit more about your 
experience learning about connectedness in your own life? Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Yoka. Thank you for for the intro and and thank you for allowing me to be here today. And, and, you know, I love kind of what your the whole framework of this conversation around connectedness. And, you know, I've learned throughout my years, throughout failures and throughout opportunities to grow that, you know, when I think about connectedness, I think about this. Everything starts and stops with relationships, not only relationships with other people, but relationships with ourselves. The more I understand myself, the more I'm able to connect with others around me. So my whole philosophy around the kind of the global mindset and what I'm trying to do in life and how I'm trying to inspire and impact other people's life is I want to help people build better relationships with themselves, which is going to help them build better connectedness and relationships with others around me. And like, that's the true value. You know, in, in this world we live in, live in today. So that that's kind of where I kind of fit in from from a connectedness perspective, and also how that ties into relationships. Uh, also, thank you for sharing that, Robert. So, I'd like to start with the beginning. So, mm-hmm. little Robert. Once upon a time, there was little Robert. <laughs> Tell us a bit more. Where 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 were you born? Oh, uh, what was it like back then? And through that experience, what have you been learning about connecting to yourself? Because you talked about getting to know yourself is really important. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you got to know yourself in that time in very specific ways. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, you, you hit on some of it. So I, I was born and raised in poverty in one of the most dangerous cities in America. Uh, I had some very, very unfortunate circumstances and, and, as a child. But a lot of those circumstances Kind of going back to what you said, I never looked at my life from a, a victim perspective. I always thought I was a victim. I always felt that I was a special child. And that helped me kind of overcome some of my traumatic experiences. So as far back as a child, I've always looked at life and everything as an opportunity. Because when you don't have nothing, you have nothing to hold you back, right? So growing up with zero, there was nothing to hold me back. So I've always kind of leveraged my creative mind, look at, you know, instead of looking at obstacles, looking at opportunities in life. But also, you know, because I grew up in in such a impoverished kind of environment, one of the things that really kind of helped me build that, that, that kind of relationship or connective type of mindset is just being a codependent growing up. So growing up, because, you know, I was a young man and, and at an early age, I was forced to do things that, you know, a lot of young kids didn't have to do. You know, I was taking care of my parents. I was taking care of my younger brother, even my older sister. Like I was the man of the house at a young age. Mm-hmm. So because I was a codependent, it kind of forced me to put others in front of me, right? Mm-hmm. And which is a good thing, but it also could be a bad thing. But I've learned, I've learned to leverage that kind of codependency kind of mindset, self before, I mean, service before self mindset to really be a value to others. So my whole life, because of some of the things that I, I endured and some of the experiences I endured as a child, it's all about, you know, how do I add value to others' lives, right? Mm-hmm. And if I take that mindset into everything I do, then it's not about me. It's about you. 
It's about how can I add value to what you're doing? And when you do that, you extract ego from the situation. And I'm able to build relationships with others because it's not about me. It's about you. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I'm Mm -hmm. very curious, Robert, how that started. Because you talked about being and growing up with zero. So, you know, imagining what zero looks like. Maybe you can talk about that for a second. And then, and then where do you get the wherewithal to make that choice to not be a victim of that circumstance, but actually find a way through that and find the resilience that I see in here in your words? What, what happened? Yeah, you know, uh, so... For me, I think there was a couple positive influences in my life that really helped me kind of not not be, I guess, attached to my surroundings, right? I think one of the biggest challenges some people face is they are their environment or they are their past or they are a reflection of their parents. I've always detached myself from my environment. Um, and so, for example, even when I was poor, I never had a poor mindset, right? I've always looked at, uh, you know, here's an opportunity for me to, um, you know, uh, do something for my family or help my mom out or maybe go fishing. This is an opportunity for me to give back to others around me. So I never, I never really looked at life as a, as a, as a way of, 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 of me being a victim. I've always looked at it as a way for me leveraging these small moments to really prove my value to the world. Um, so, so for example, like to get into the details, like every morning when I was a young boy, we used to have to wake up in the morning. I would have to fish for my food while other kids were out, you know, hanging out and, you know, going to school, getting ready. My daily task was to wake up and fish for food for my family. So I would wake up before school. We lived in New Orleans, Louisiana. I would walk across the street, climb over the levee, take my fishing rod and my pole and go out there and fish. But even the, the reverse, to go rewind for a second, we didn't even have worms to go out and fish. So the nights before that, I would place these bricks in the yard and then I would wake up the next morning at 6 a.m., lift the bricks back up and there would be worms underneath those bricks. I would take those worms and go fish for my meals. And so when you think about that, when it goes back to what you're saying, like I had nothing, but I was able to, from nothing, go and, and, you know, extract worms from the ground and go bring substance to my family. So when a lot of people look at life and say, well, I don't have this, I don't have that. Like for me, nothing creates an opportunity to go and be creative and find something from nothing. Right. So I think that's kind of like the framework that I built when I want to talk about having nothing and being able to create something from nothing. Because as much as we think we don't have nothing, there's a lot of things around us that can help us achieve and reach our goals if we're present and if we're paying attention to everything around us. And so from a young boy, because I had nothing, I had to pay attention to everything because everything was something that can get me further along in life. Beautiful, beautiful. I hear in that also part of the wisdom of of being very detached. Like you said in the very beginning, something that I want to highlight is I am not my surroundings. I'm not my parents. 
I'm not my past. I'm not what I have. I am here. And from that place of presence, I interact with the world differently. And what you're talking about and what I'm hearing you talk about is say, then I can see it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. And then I know to put a stone out in the evening so I have worms in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I know that I can go fishing in the morning and get fish. This sounds to some listeners very courageous. but mm-hmm. To me, it does. And for some, it might also be like, well, where did the guy get the faith to do it? Because even mm-hmm. going fishing is an act of faith because you're not going to, you don't know whether you're going to get fish. So how did that work with the little boy going out fishing in the morning? Did you get fish every day? And, and how did that work out? For, for me, it was more and like going back to what I'm saying, I always looked at it as it's not about me because I grew up in that codependent mindset that service to others before self. I've always put others in front of me that helped me kind of wake up in the morning because if it was just about me, then I probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Yes. But I knew that I had people that was leaning on me, that was relying on me to extract these worms from the ground and go fish for these food. So when other people quit, I kept going because the, the faith was driven from everybody around me. I had a lot of people looking, looking that was leaning on me at a young age. So I had a lot of pressure on me and I had to perform. And, you know, some some broke during those type of moments. But again, I've always looked at those types of moments as areas to show the world that I am a special person and I do want to make an impact. So even as a far as a young boy, I've built this mindset to put others in front of me, which has helped me. You know, when times get tough, think about the consequences and the impacts of the decision I make and how it's going to impact not only myself, but all those people around me. And that's why I just never gave up. Today, everything I do, I just never quit because it's bigger than me. I never quit because it is bigger than me. I love that. Mm -hmm. I never quit because it's bigger than me and that propels me forward. I also resonated with you saying... When I'm off in service, it loosens my ego attachment. I realize that I am much bigger than this thinking that I have about little self. So today, uh, Robert, you're not going out fishing in the morning, or maybe you are to get uh, food for your family. You, you do other things. So tell us about your life today and how you apply those principles that you're speaking about of connecting to your true self. Yeah. In your day to day, tell us about that. So I, I I do go out fishing, but a different type of fish. Okay. And this type of fish that I go out and fish for is is actually food, food for thought, like thought food for others. So I have a very very kind of habitual habitual routine every single day. So in the morning, I make sure that I I pray and meditate, but I take care of myself. So my first action before I pick up a phone or anything is I center myself in the morning through prayer, through meditation, drinking a glass of water, and just being connected to the environment around me. And from there, I go out and I I work out. And while I'm working out, I'm always listening to something or podcast or reading an audio book. It's going to help me grow closer 
to the relationships I'm looking to build. And typically, so what I like to do is I break my life down to these four core pillars. It's self, faith, family, and focus. So every single day, I'm working to grow closer to those four pillars. Self being myself. I believe the biggest relationship that I can have is a relationship with myself. Because when I have a relationship with myself, I can understand others better. When I have a relationship with myself, I don't give myself slack. If I'm messing up, I'm real with myself. I don't make excuses. I don't make complaints. I don't become a victim of my own thoughts, right? And the next pillar is faith. So I'm always growing and trying to build a relationship closer to my faith, my spiritual belief, you know, the things that I believe in, right? So every day I'm adding to that bucket also. And the family piece, I'm always trying to ingest information that's going to help me become a better person for the people behind me, right? Because that's really what matters. And the focus being my job and my giving back. So every single day, I'm taking in information that's going to help me grow closer to these things. And when you think about a growth strategy for my life, that's my growth strategy. Every day, I'm filling my buckets. And I, I truly believe that everything matters. And that's why I pay attention to everything. I can't be too focused on work and give away, give, give up on my family and vice versa, right? I have to be centered and balanced across the spectrum of these four core pillars. And every day I'm working to fill those buckets individually. So a lot of my habits and rituals that I've developed is all around how am I growing closer to these four pillars in my life? That's a growth strategy. And how I make sure I'm filling these four buckets and I'm not just focused on one bucket and leaving the other bucket unfilled. Beautiful. So self, faith, family, and focus. So yeah. you have six kids, Robert, right? Yeah. And, and so tell me about how does it work to balance that? Because I also speak with people that have as much on their plate as you, or even less, that mm. may think, well, it's, it's too much for me. It overwhelms me. It, it, this is, I, I don't have, th this one thing becomes everything. And the other ones just have to take a break until the next decade when the kids mm. are older. Tell us about how you are able to do this and, and really tell yeah. us about like, what, what, how does that work on a day to day? Like you have oh, kids yeah. asking yeah. you and how does this work? Yeah, so, uh, you know, a part of my, my mindset philosophy is not saying what you said, saying is too much. Uh, I, I just don't believe I can ever say those type of words. And it goes back to my whole philosophy towards commitment. So I always tell myself, once you make a, make a commitment, to stay committed to your commitments. So it's a triple C. I call it triple C. But what, what I'm really trying to say is when you make a commitment to something, stay committed to those commitments. So when times get stuff, remember, you have to stay committed to those commitments, not just committed, commitment, but you have to stay committed to those commitments. So I never tell myself that I don't have enough time. I never tell myself that it's too worried, worse, worse. I never tell myself that I'm stressed out or anything like that. I believe when I start to tell myself that I, I'll start to create that like victim mindset, I start operating that way. So for example, just recently, I took on a task where my wife asked me, my wife volunteered me, uh, volunteered me to be a flag football coach for my kids' two teams. And I said right away, 
uh, I can do this, right? And so while a, a lot of the other, you know, parents and, and things that I was working with, it's like, man, this is too time consuming. I'm not able to do it. Uh, my thing was like, okay, how can I rearrange my set, my 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 schedule and make this more of a family event? So instead of me saying, hey, I can't do this, I got six kids, I looked at it this way. How can I do this with six kids? So this is how I shifted my mindset. Mm. I brought my three oldest boys out and I had them volunteer help coach. And my two oldest boys, my two youngest boys, was actually on the football team. So it became a family event. So now every week when we're going out Wednesday and Thursday, my boys are giving back to the team. My wife is out there. My six-month-year-old daughter is out there. And we're having a family-connected event because that small shift in mindset of, okay, this is not too much. Let's make it a day out in the park for the family now. So little things like that, when you start to shift your mindset, you start to see possibilities that you probably didn't see, right? Yes, yes, yes. I can see the little boy going fishing and putting the stone out and getting the worms again. That's you're doing this on a very different scale right now. It, that's very beautiful. That's very beautiful. So then tell us how that translates into work. You work as a sales leader in Microsoft. So how does this um, structure, these strategies work of connectedness in work for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, like, I like to say this also, you know, every every successful internal, external and customer engagement starts and ends with you, right? And so what that means is you are the value proposition. You're leading the sale, you're leading the first customer engagement, you're leading the first internal partner engagement. So, but you are the value proposition that you bring into the to the table, right? So I when I do that, I want to bring the most authentic, real, the most loving, the most caring version of myself in each engagement. So in order to do that, I have to, going back to what you said, I have to pull back and I have to detach myself from the past that could be holding me back, but also I have to detach myself from the future. In that space, when I create that space, that's the present moment. So where as others lead in and they're, they're so focused on this outcome they're trying to, to achieve, I just want to end up, I want to understand the person that's in front of me. Right, because that—that's really what matters. When I start to understand this person and what they're trying to achieve, or their challenges, or more about them, then it makes me help me build a better relationship uh, with that person. But in order to do that, you have to pull yourself back to what from what you are trying to achieve, and just be there and be present. And I think that takes a lot of work, a lot of skill, a lot of this habitual practice, but. When I leave these conversations, I leave with me. I leave with who I am as a person, my value proposition, my why, my purpose, because at the end of the day, that's my competitive differentiator from everybody else in the market. Because when I'm connected to you as a person, you have to understand, I become an extension of your team. So that what that means is Robert's willing to, Robert's aligned to your mission and he's willing to knock down barriers to make sure that we as a team Get our goals together. But that's really, it's not about me again. It's about how can I add value to what you're doing? How can I align to your mission? So there's that mindset shift, you know, that shift in your mindset of like, it's about the other person can greatly, I feel, help you build better relationships with 
very clear. This It's not about me. And I've heard you say this now in very different manifestations in this conversation. Like, it's, oh, it's, it's not about me. I'm going to go fishing for my family. Uh, it's not about me. There's a way for me to be of service to you and be part of your team. And it's not about what my mind has made up right now. It's about being in this present moment. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about how you practice being in the present moment, because I hear you being very intentional and conscious of that. And I'd love to hear, Robert, both about your victories and about your failures in this and what you've learned from that. Yeah, I'll I'll start off with my failures because it alludes back to how I get to the point that I am. So, you know, I wasn't always this person, right? Uh, Because of my past, I was, I've learned from a young age to be a provider for my family, uh, just to be a provider. Um, and so because I've seen all the men around me just kind of provide and protect, I didn't know there was other aspect of being a father, right? Because I didn't see it. And so for a long time, it was about work, 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 work. And a lot of that came from me from what I see, but also societal's expectations of failure that was projected onto me. And that stuff consumed me. And, you know, for a long time, I feel like I needed to overwork or overprove myself to the world because of this, because the world looked down on me. And so to say that, you know, as a professional athlete, I ran into some huge obstacles early on in my work, later in my career because of this. So, for example, I'm sure one of these failures to say that really opened me up. So far back, I think this was uh, 2016, one of my last fights as a professional mixed martial artist, I overtrained myself almost to death. And the reason I did that is because I was an underdog going into that fight. And so I wanted to prove it to the world and everybody that was around me that I was better. So I put more emphasis in my training. And I remember one day, I, it was like 12 o'clock at night, I walked into the house. My wife was like, where are you going, Robert? I said, I'm going back out and train. I got to train. These people are doubting me. I have to prove them wrong. So think about that. My whole energy, my whole drive was to prove others wrong. So it pushed me to a point that I was overworking myself, overtraining. And then I remember another day I came in the house and my wife looked at me. She said, Robert, you're here but you're not present. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going out and doing all this stuff and helping out. She said, Robert, you're here, but you're not emotionally present. And that really struck me, like just hit a chord to me. Like, what does she mean when she say that? Mm. So as much as I was here, I was never emotionally present because I was always thinking about the next thing. I got to hit this girl. I got to do that. Mm -hmm. And so when I went into this fight, I almost, like I said, long story short, I almost overtrained myself to the depth and my kidneys had shut down. I was going into cardiac arrest and I had an awakening at that moment in the hospital bed. I was like, man, what am I doing? Like, why am I pushing so hard? Like, what's in the past has pushed me to push so hard? What am I trying to prove to the world? What really matters? And from that moment, it kind of pushed me into my public speaking, because I, I shared my moment with the world and how that impacted me. And it pushed me to public speaking 
in different areas of my life that was just bigger than me. Like that sport was just a platform sport to help me get to my real goal, which is helping other people overcome these challenges that I've been able to overcome. And look, the biggest thing I say when I say this, like the biggest curse I could ever have if I take all this knowledge to the grave with me. Like that, that'd be the biggest disservice I've ever done. So a part of me is just like giving this back to the world. So though that moment actually put me in a position to I, I needed to change. So some of the things that I do on a daily basis to stay more present is to I always challenge my thoughts because if I don't control my thoughts, I know my thoughts will control my actions. So I'm always having a conversation with my thoughts. And so when thoughts come into my mind, I'm always asking myself, is this thought true? Does this thought benefit me? But more importantly, where's this thought coming from? Because a lot of times our, our negative or our dysfunctional thoughts could be coming from a place of dysfunction. So create space between you and your thoughts and understand that you are not your thoughts. To me, it's something that I constantly do on a daily basis. And that's growth, right? That is growth every single day. There's not be one day where I feel like I got it because life's going to smack me again, right? So I'm constantly, constantly challenging myself every single day. And I'm my biggest critic sometimes. I really resonate with that. We're going to take a break in a moment. We've been talking to Robert Washington, one of the core teachings that I've been receiving from speaking with you today is to be totally disciplined, very disciplined about not believing my thoughts as they come up, but actually being clear and asking myself those three questions. Is this true? Is this helpful? And where does this come from? After the break, we'll explore this more. And also we're going to explore more with him, with Robert, about what was it like those moments before the cardiac arrest and what was that awakening insight like uh, for him and what he learned from that. So I will be back after the break. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership, team, and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, Please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Rooted and Wavering. We're here with Robert Washington, currently a leader in sales for Microsoft, also a professional martial art artist, and also a father of six and devoted husband and a public speaker, and many other things that I'm sure you haven't told us about yet. Let's go back to this moment of cardiac arrest or almost cardiac arrest. I want to hear more about this. You asked this question, where did this thought come from? This third question. So where did this thinking come from for, for, from your perspective? What did you discover, Robert, in that moment as, as you were in the hospital that led you to overwork? So yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, no, that's, that's a great question. I, I think for me is at that moment when I was in the hospital, one of the things that I was, I was just kind of self-reflecting on my whole life. Everything just was, I was just, everything was still. Like nothing else mattered, but that moment that was in front of me. And so that provoked me to go dig a little bit deep and really go and attack those questions that I've kind of went away from or I, 
I just give it, didn't give it any attention in the past. So the, the first question I, I asked myself in that moment in the hospital bed, when the doctor came back in and she said, Robert, your heart's twice the size of a normal heart. You were going to cardiac arrest. It's like most people would have probably been freaking out of like, okay, I'm about to die. I was like, okay, I wanted to know how did I get here? That was my first question I had to myself. And so that's that's where I feel like prior to that, if I had known myself a little bit better, I would have known that I was in my past and I wouldn't have been pushed to overachieve these, these goals because of my past or things that's been projected on me from my environment around me. So because I was able to dig into that question at that moment, at that moment, I was able to understand that everything that I was doing was because of past failures. Everything that I was doing was because of past family failures or past societal expectations. And I, was, I wasn't being the true authentic version of myself. I was doing what I expected society expected me to do, right? So it, it pulled me away from my authentic version of myself. And so that's where I was challenged. I was challenging my own thoughts at that moment and really awakened me to dig a little bit deeper to get a better understanding of who Robert is. And then I went on this journey from, you know, from 2016 to now, and I feel like I have a better understanding of who I am because of that moment. So digging a little deeper is what you said, what I heard, and being able to face your thoughts and also be very clear. It's like, oh, this thinking is not me. Like this thinking mm -hmm. belongs to beliefs I had about my family's failings or this thinking belongs to beliefs I had about the society's expectations of me. Mm -hmm. But these are my mm -hmm. thoughts about that that have nothing to do with me. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when you become free from those thoughts, what do you discover about yourself? Then who is Robert without those thoughts? Yeah, no, no, good question. So for a long time, I felt that I needed to prove myself to the world because of those thoughts. And I wouldn't show up the authentic version. I'm funny. I'm character. I'm, I'm, I'm a character. I love people. And I've always, for a long time, because of these thoughts that was projected on me, that I needed to prove to people that I was a good person. And now, I mean, just to simplify your question, I just have to be a good person. I just have to show up every day to be a good person. Because I feel like if, you, if you're trying to do something, then you're not being authentic. Mm. If you just be and just do, then you just show up. You. So everything you see, the posts I make on Facebook, on, on LinkedIn, that's who I am inside and outside the world. Mm -hmm. You get one version of Robert and you, get, you see what you get. Like there's no, this Rob, Rob is Rob. And I care about people. So why do I have to try to be somebody different if, I'm a good person. I really, really care about people. And that's like my value proposition. As a leader, I feel like my competitive differentiator is I care. A lot of people talk about it, but I actually live it every single day. Like I truly care. And people know, like if you call Rob, 
He's going to pick up the phone. Mm. Like, that's the value that I bring to the table. And my wife knows that too, because I care about people. So by de- detaching myself from all this stuff, I'm able to be the best version of myself. Mm. I'm able to have this, this, this conversation and just be authentic and show my vulnerabilities with the world because I know that my vulnerabilities can be straight to other people. And I'm not just living in my own thoughts. And I, I can share that to help other people grow and overcome their challenge. I'm so struck, Robert, by your commitment. Like, if I think <laughs> about you and, and your story and what you've been telling us and what you've been sharing and also what I sense from you is, is your commitment, your deep commitment to what you have committed to. And I love that you made that distinction, mm-hmm. not only commitment, but also being committed to your commitment. What do you want to say to somebody who is not unwavering in their commitment, but currently finds themselves in a situation where they may waver? Because we all have these thoughts. We all have these thoughts. We're human, mm-hmm. right? Where we feel weakness. What do you want to say to them? And what do you say to yourself? Yeah, yeah. So, like, if, if anyone's in, in a situation where you, where you feel where you're kind of unwavering in your thoughts, like you're saying, it's, it's like the, the first thing I, I like to do to myself is I'm always lifting myself up. Sometimes you have to go back and look at your own patterns of success. What have you done? Because a lot of times we're, we're, we're our own biggest critics. So a lot of that stuff is like, let's pull ourselves out of that victim mindset. Let's get to a mindset where we're more open to be optimistic. So anytime you're in one of those ruts or just feeling down, really think about like who you are and how powerful you are to the world. And then some of the things I do when, when I'm in that situation is I go and give back to others. So whenever I'm down or I'm not feeling good or I'm out or I'm just like, I want to be just a little bit more optimistic, I'll go and give back to others because that fulfills my and it will open me up to just have me more in an open mindset to, to be able to explore the world. Because, you know, I, I always like to say this other quote, I'll say also, you can't have an open conversation with a closed mind, right? So the first thing we have to do is we have to open our minds to receive the information, to receive the energy that's around us. It's going to help us grow and expand. So that's really one of the things I do to try to pull myself out of those small little ruts and to just to make sure that I'm constantly on pace of, of hitting not only my goals, but helping others around me hit their goals. So in the rut, you get yourself out of it. And I like it. You call it little ruts, which to me also suggests that you have the sense of mm-hmm. the bigger perspective that we're part of that <laughs> you're saying, okay, how do I open myself to the bigger picture here? And one way to do that for you is service that helps you being being there all the time. And I can only imagine in your life with six kids and all the things you're doing that you're pulled into that, whether you like it or not, all the time. <laughs> and you, you seem to be enjoying that, which is yeah. wonderful to hear. I want to go back to your decision of becoming a professional mixed martial artist. Tell us about how that happened and how that relates to your journey into more and more connectedness. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's so crazy how that situation happened to become a mixed martial artist. And a lot of my mixed martial arts background kind of went back to uh, me going and following the path to mixed martial arts, went back to me trying to prove something to the world. I just felt like uh, I was one of those kids. I was bullied. I was always undervalued, underlooked. And I always felt like I wanted to prove something to the world. So a part of my journey in life was to prove something to the world. And I feel like I can do that through mixed martial arts. So I joined mixed martial arts, honestly, I think with the wrong intention, but it worked out because that was my path. And that's the only thing I knew at that moment. So it's not, I don't have any regrets with it. I was just trying to find my path. So that journey to mixed martial arts was, I was in the military, I was stationed overseas, and I was in Guam at the time. At the time, I just wanted to, I wanted to be something bigger than just a military, you know, member. I wanted to prove to myself that physically I could, I could, I could do something, I could win something. So that was kind of mixed martial arts to me. And through mixed martial arts, I found I, was, I started to build the confidence I needed to be successful in life. And, 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 and so I would get these small little wins over and over. And I was like, wow, I am a value to the world. I am okay. I am good. I'm a good person. I can compete at the highest level and things like that. So these little wins would help me kind of build my confidence up. And so that's when I kind of fell in love with the whole sport. And then I started to look at mixed martial arts in a different view, almost to say. It, was, it wasn't almost mixed martial arts at one period of my life became about life. It became about this is more how to react to think how to not to react to everything in life. Mm. So one, one of the most beautiful things I learned from mixed martial arts is emotional control, right? And, and so through mixed martial arts, I've learned to not react to everything that's thrown at me. For example, if, if me and you, Hilka, we, we was like standing right next to each other and I swung on you and we start two feet away, you'll probably swing back. But if we were standing 20 feet away and I swung on you, you probably wouldn't. And, and the reason because of it is because of that space. And so mixed martial arts, if you think about the, the fighting aspects in mixed martial arts, everything is about timing, spacing, and discipline. So because my opponent swings on me, I can't swing back every time my opponent swings on me because then I'm controlled by my opponent's actions. So think about life. If everything life throws at you, you're swinging at everything, then you're controlled by everything that throws that that been thrown at you. So mixed martial arts kind of taught me how to be centered, how to be balanced, how to be still, and how not to react to everything that's shown that. I love that. That's time and space. And what was the third thing you said? Time and space. Anyway, there was something about that. I love the metaphor of when you're hitting at me from 20 feet away and I have that perspective, then I can sense the space. And what I'm sensing you do is in interactions with others, when things happening, you stay centered in the space. So you choose whether you respond or not. And that's a way of practicing being detached. Uh, and that's one of the lessons you learned from the martial arts. Uh, is what I'm hearing from you. So today, 
as you're sitting in your chair today, you know, in, in, on May 26, 2023, what do you sense you're being called into? Because my sense of you is, Robert, that given your commitment and being committed to your commitment, you've grown so much in your life. So what is called for now, you think, in your life in terms of your next area of growth? Where do you want to be growing into? I think it goes back to my first saying, kind of going, there, there's really no, there's really no outcome outside of growing closer to myself, my faith, my family, and my focus. And I, I say that because for me, that to me is success. That 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 to me embodies a almost a 360 view of success. And so my calling is those three things. And if those three, whatever aligns, I mean, those four things, whatever aligns to those four buckets, and I kind of just follow the path. So like I make a lot of decisions more efficiently and effectively because I check those four buckets throughout my decision. So if it's not going to help me build a better version of myself, grow closer to my faith, my family, or my focus, then I just I just turn it down. But if it lines to those buckets, then I know, okay, that's the next step I need to take. So I think the path, as I continue to grow and walk, the path will unveil itself because there's no specific outcomes. The only outcome that I'm looking to achieve is to be a better version of myself every single day. And, and look, that's a journey. And that can take, I'm never going to master it, but I'm continuing to kind of continue to grow as an individual because I don't, I don't hit a goal and say, okay, what's next? This journey just continues to go, continues to go. Always grow into a better version of myself and continuing to grow in those four buckets of self, faith, family, and focus. I really want to reflect on that a bit more with you and also with the listeners. Yeah. Thinking about you know, what each of our buckets might be. So I love the clarity of that and also the strength mm -hmm. that I feel and the resolve that I feel from music. I'm committed to self. I'm committed to faith. I'm committed to family. And I'm committed wow. to focus. Hmm. So tell us about maybe an experience you had, maybe recently where you had to make a choice, where it was very obvious to you that not, not fitting, not doing it. How Can you tell us about that and how that works for you in practice? Yeah, so um, I get a lot of, I get a lot of, Things are strong at me. So things that might not be aligned, maybe they're more focused on generating just income and not impact. So there's just so many things that strong at me or us on a daily basis that can distract us from our goals. Like I look at it this way. If I have a strategy and I'm moving towards my strategy, like I'm this big ship, right? My strategy, my 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 strategy is to, 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 to hit this goal in, in, in two years, right? And if I'm this huge big ship and I'm, I got a two-year journey to hit this goal, and every time there's a distraction, this big ship has to turn around and go the other way or go left or right, I'm never going to hit that goal. So it's like kind of going back to you said, 
how do you like manage the distractions that's thrown at us every single day, right? Yes. And I, I hate to say this, but it goes back to, to that. So, like, I get opportunities all the time to do things that's not aligned to who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me to make a decision because my decision is not based on monetary gain. It's not based on titles or recognitions. It's not based on fame. It's based on those core priorities of mine. Mm. So anytime I'm asked to do something, and it's not ethical, it's not who I am as a person, it's not aligned to my, it's easy to say no. And it goes back to what I said later also, because I understand that every decision that I make, the consequences and the impact of those decisions going to affect everything around me. So like when I'm when I'm, I'm I'm offered something that seems like it's it's it, it, it might stretch me away from my faith, my family, or my focus, I just say no. And for and for example, I, I've, I've before I took the job here at Microsoft, I was offered another role that was halfway across the the country in an area that I knew my family wouldn't be happy. It was easy for me to say no to that decision. Because I knew the cost of living was extremely high. My wife wouldn't like the area at all. But the pay in that job was extremely high also. But there wasn't a lot of churches that I like to attend in the area. There wasn't a lot of opportunities for me to, to grow as an individual in a lot of communities that had diverse and inclusive people. So a lot of people would have took the job just from the monetary game. But I looked at it from a 360 view and said, okay, how does this align to who I'm trying to be? How does this align to me grow closer to my, my faith? How does it align to me building a better relationship with my family? And how does it align to me giving back to the world and focusing on the things that really matter to me? Mm-hmm. And it did. So that was an easy decision, even though the monetary gain for that job would have been really nice but it was it was really easy for me just to say no and walk away and i use this framework in all my high level decision making processes like it's easy to make make a decision now because i have a universal framework where i can just check the boxes mm-hmm. okay how does it does it does it check these boxes and it has to check all four boxes if it doesn't i just can't do it right because then like i said that strategy a goal I'm taking this big shift and I'm taking it another direction, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to hit, you know, that, that goal that I want to hit, which is to be hopefully one day master those four pillars, which I'm probably never going to do, right? <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. So you're making these decisions and it sounds to me almost with ease. And the way you're like saying, it's like, well, this is not fitting. This is not fitting. And, Interesting to hear you say, not money, not fame, two very strong distractions in our current society. So tell us, maybe as we're getting towards the end of our conversation already, which surprises me because I'm still in the middle of it for my feeling, is tell us a bit about what is that like when you make these decisions in this focus? What does that feel like inside of you? What is that like? Oh, that's that's a that's a deep question. It's a great question. It's a deep question. I think I think because I made the decision and I checked those boxes, 
I never have any regret. Every decision is the right decision if, if, if I check those boxes because I know I'm going to make it the right decision, right? If it checks those boxes, then it's the right decision. So I feel good when I make those decisions. No, sometimes we make decisions and we we regret our decisions right away. It's because we might not have done the due diligence to make get that decision out and make sure it's a good decision. When I make these decisions because I've checked the boxes, I know that if there's any thoughts that came up, those are self-inflicted thoughts that I can get away. Those are just thoughts that don't really have any meaning because the decision is already grounded on those four pillars. And so it's easy for me to embrace that decision and continue that commitment towards those decisions. And I never give up on my decisions. I look, I never give up on my decisions because if it's grounded in those four pillars, then that means it was the right decision. Now I have to, I'm the person that has to make it right from an actual tactical execution perspective. But from a high level, it was the right decision. And there's going to be obstacles in either path. But just feeling good about your decisions is going to help you embrace those decisions and really drive momentum to execute on those decisions when you might have a little doubt in your mind. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. As we're getting towards the final minutes here of our conversation, I am taking away from this conversation so much. One of them is this deep commitment to commitment. Also, the unwavering focus on what are our true priorities and really inviting us to reflect on what are your true priorities that are guiding you and what are pseudo priorities that actually have nothing to do with you. The conversation about being very disciplined about our thinking and asking ourselves those three very powerful questions. Is this true? Is this of service? And where is this coming from? And then last but not least, this whole sense of when I feel in a rut, think service. That is a sure way to defeat the ego entrapment. Robert, what is it that you want to say by way of closing our conversation? Yeah, you know, I think... I think it goes back to the whole kind of grounding of relationship, just this conversation today. You know, you know, I always like to say it's not about you kind of mindset. Think about everything we do, right? And how we can uh, impact others around us and, and constantly kind of shift your mindset from a I into like, it's about the team or it's about the people I'm trying to support. But also, I challenge everyone to create a growth strategy for your own personal life. Like, what's your four pillars, right? Because, look, growth is constant. If you're not growing towards the things you want to grow towards, are you growing towards? Because you're growing. You might be growing towards habits that does not benefit you. So I challenge everyone to create a growth strategy. Look, we have strategies for our business. We have strategies for our, our side gigs. Why should we, why don't we have a growth strategy for our life, right? And through that growth strategy, I challenge everyone also to focus on relationships. I think, like going back to what I say, everything starts and ends with relationships. But the first relationship, I think, is the relationship with ourselves. So, I mean, in closing, that's kind of my challenge to the world. Now, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Well. I 
deeply appreciate being with you today and so grateful for the example that you set by the way you are and what you've been sharing with us uh, today. Uh, you can listen more to this podcast uh, on Spotify and Apple. You can find us there. You can also find Robert Washington on LinkedIn and other places and also book him for a speaking engagement if you like to do that. We're very grateful that you've been listening to Rudin and Wavering. Again, you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple other, and other places. And also you can find us on LinkedIn under my name. I will be again with together in Rudin and Wavering in two weeks uh, with Adam Fried, who is a managing partner of GSV Ventures. He speaks 11 languages, is on his third career, has two amazing kids, one hilarious dog, and is the best husband ever. And he says, life is good even in crazy times. So we'll hear from him building more on the wisdom we heard today from Robert. That will be June 9th. That's it for today. Thank you again, Robert, for being with us and sharing your wisdom so eloquently and, and powerfully. I hope that if you listened, you find some helpful nuggets today that maybe connect you more deeply to your core priorities. You've been listening to Ruth and Wavering, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. I'm your host, Hilke Faber. See you next time. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.